This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Well, today it's not Doug Stringer and Friends, it's Doug Stringer and Wife. I have the pleasure of having Lisa Stringer with me today. And we're going to be discussing the topic, God Did Not Do This to Me. It comes from the title of a new book that my wife wrote called God Did Not Do This to Me. And it actually goes back to something we actually experienced together as a family from the beginning of 2015. Our prayer today is that those listening and those that you share this podcast with will find that regardless of what circumstance or difficulty they go through, they can be assured that God is looking out for them Everybody's story may be different, but in the midst of it, there are principles by which we can live by and trust that God is doing a work for us and through us, regardless of the circumstance. My particular situation was I was diagnosed in 2015, early 2015, with cancer. And uh, this is part of the story we're going to talk about today and about my wife's new book that will be coming out in a few months. We actually have some advanced copies that uh, are available. You can go to my website at somebodycares.org or you can call us at 713-621-1498 to purchase a copy or extra copies of my wife's book, God Did Not Do This to Me. Let me read to you something that Whitaker House Publishers, which is publishing my wife's book and published two of my books, In Search of a Father's Blessing and Leadership Awakening. But here's what it says on their website about the book. God did not do this to me, finding hope, courage, and faith to face our toughest challenge. The title and the theme of the book is so true, especially for so many people who experience unexpected detours and difficulties in life. So as I said earlier, everyone's story may be different, but there are principles that we can hold on to knowing that God loves us, He cares for us, and He has a scarlet thread of our salvation, freedom, liberation, healing, and deliverance. God has gone before us. He's our rear guard. And though everyone's story is different, we want to share with you our story from my wife's perspective, as she was the one who was the primary caregiver and watching me go through what I went through. And it really moved me to tears as I read the book, because as I began to read the manuscript, I couldn't put it down. And I found many other people who read the manuscript and now the advanced copy of the book said the same thing that it's far beyond the fact that it's about the cancer I went through. It really is about life's challenges and difficulties that we all go through. But it really is important for us to remember to find hope, find courage, and faith to face our toughest challenges in life. So Lisa, it's great to have you with us today. Uh, Here's my wife, Lisa Stringer, and uh, your book's coming out in the next few months, so I'm looking forward to seeing the final copy, but there are some advanced copies available now, correct? That's correct, and I am excited about it as well. Uh, more than anything, just being able to give people courage and hope through another testimony, one of, of many that are out there that are being lived out on a daily basis. People have, as you said earlier, not just physical challenges, but they have emotional challenges, financial challenges, hurt within their family, uh, you name it. So this book isn't just about overcoming and what God did uh, for us and allowing us to overcome cancer, but it is a book of encouragement and uh, also an open book because oftentimes people think that as pastors and leaders um, that we 
have different ways of, of getting back up or bouncing back up or how, or things don't affect us the same. But the reality is we're no different than anyone else. Everything happens uh, to us the way it happens to anyone else. What can be different and should be different is perspective. But that isn't something that is uh, left alone to just pastors and leaders and those that read the Bible, but anyone who allows Jesus Christ to work in and through them, there is hope. You know, I like this endorsement I'm reading that uh, Joni Lamb, who's the co-founder of Daystar Television Network, wrote about your book. It says, perspective changes not with words, but with life's challenges encountered. What we take for granted can be stripped away with one doctor's diagnosis. But Lisa Stringer shares her own journey of realization, not as the patient, but as the wife of the one who experienced a diagnosis of stage four cancer in her book. I believe this will, meaning this book, will not only encourage family members, but be a great tool for all who are navigating the roadblocks of life. Joni Lamb, co-founder of Daystar Television Network. Lisa, what inspired you to, to write this book? I know you lived it out with me, obviously, and, and what's so unique about it is it's not from my perspective, it's from your own perspective of watching our family have to live out the principles that we, we, we ministered to other people about. I think first and foremost, God. Um, I think that uh, the Bible talks about sharing our testimony in the book of Matthew. It, it, it often talks about us going to the ends of the earth to share the goodness of what we experience. And so I think that is, is one, is I kept getting nudges from the Lord. Number two, um, Doug, I really wanted to document a lot of what you taught me because a lot of what we lived out and the strength that I was able to grab, uh, gravitate to from the Lord and get from God himself, the strength that was given to me because people prayed for us and they made a difference, that in the midst of it all, I wanted to, to just give share the testimony of hope. I think also the fact that it didn't matter where we were or where we are to this day, that I had the opportunity to accompany you as you minister to people all over the globe and we can be after service or in a prayer line and people will walk up to me and say, I prayed for your husband. I covered you in prayer. And oftentimes it is hard not to get choked up or have tears stream down your face when you meet one of the the warriors that were your errands and hers that lifted my hands up during my emotional, physical, uh, trying time, if you will. And so the the book was written to to say thank you to all uh, in many ways, to give them a clue as to what it was like from my perspective. The other thing I, I often see, you know, just uh, in the last few weeks, you and I have been to MD Anderson numerous times, which is the cancer hospital in Texas, uh, world-renowned cancer hospital in Texas that focuses strictly on cancer patients, so massive that there is a different department, a floor dedicated, for instance, to lymphoma, another one to breast cancer, another one to uh, kidneys, different organs, you name it. Uh, it is just an incredibly massive building with many people going through it on a daily basis. And so as you sit around and talk to people, you encounter a lot of caregivers, family members that are at a loss, that are hurting, uh, that are weary. And then you find those that are having their good days where they're the inspiration, they're carrying hope. Um, and it's in the midst of all that, that you realize there is a great need for people to be directed to the King of Kings, who is our hope giver. And that was the reason for writing the book. And what uh, finally gave you the the inspiration for the title? I know it had something to do with the the first day we actually were told that 
we didn't know what kind of cancer. We just knew that we had uh, been diagnosed and the doctor called me and, and I decided to go off to a parking lot of a grocery store for a couple hours while you and mom and, and Ashley um, were at the house waiting on me. And uh, a couple hours later, I came home, we took communion. And so there were some things that I shared with you guys that I think resonated that um, is why you created the, the title, God Did Not Do This to Me in the book. So Lisa, would you just share a little bit about your journey with us and and that specific day? Because I remember uh, you weren't actually listening. You were in listening to me in the conversation with the doctor who called me, but you didn't know exactly what was being said, except for you perceived what was being said by what I was saying in response to what the doctor was telling me on the phone. Absolutely. Um, well, the title of the book, for starters, I should say this, we were right, as I was writing the book, I began to write and then I got really discouraged in the process and put it away and refused to pick it up for as much as I kept getting nudges. I even received words from people that said, you're supposed to write a book. And I just, I didn't want to hear it. I would just in one ear out the other and ask God for forgiveness and move on. At the end of the day, I'm glad I submitted because it was a very, it was very much a healing process for me as well, just being able to pen all of my emotions and my feelings and and uh, allow then at that point me to see the greatness of God in a whole new perspective. God did not do this to me, eventually came from you. Um, Doug, you're the one that, that came home after having spent a couple of hours in a parking lot talking to God, crying, I'm sure asking lots of questions. That's something that only you would be able to tell us in greater detail, a very intimate moment that I've chosen not to delve into in great depth with you or ask you for much. But you came home and you said, there's one thing I know, and that is that God did not do this to me. And if he didn't do this to me, then it doesn't belong to me. And if cancer doesn't belong to me, then it's not going to be about me. And you allowed us to understand that this was going to be uh, more of a prophetic walkthrough of, of, an, uh, of a situation because we knew that at that particular season, even worse now, in this day and age in 2019, that our nation was just uh, at edge. It seemed like everyone was against everyone, political parties, um, the body of Christ. There was just such division. Instead of lifting each other up, we seemed to be more apt to tearing each other down and finding fault in each other. And so with that being said, you said we were going to focus our attention on praying for America and the cancer that was in America. And and so that was powerful. We understood that then. Never ever did I think it would be a title of a book. To be honest with you, I never thought about really writing the book until we were towards the end of the journey that I began to realize again that I should just really share a lot of our story. Uh, we were driving to church one day. I remember very clearly driving to church when we were discussing what on earth could we call this book? And it was just as clear as day. God didn't do this to me without a doubt. And he didn't do whatever it is that you're going through. He doesn't do evil. I think that's what we need to let people know. He's the one that sees us through processes. Well, that's great. And I, and I think that one of the things that we had to live through, because we declared, sometimes we make a word or we declare something and then we're tested at times to have to, to live by the things that we believe that God has spoken to us. So there was many, many times, obviously, during the journey, because it was uh, beginning in, in March or is in March of 2015. It wasn't until November 10th of 2015 we finally got the clear, uh, complete remission uh, by the doctors. Of course, they won't say cancer-free until five years later, which we have a, uh, another year to go. 
But that was good news, obviously. But the journey along the way wasn't easy. And especially we decided there were so many obligations that we had to fulfill, uh, prayer gatherings that we were involved in, the everyday ministry, things we were involved in across the country and around the world, and so many people who still had needs, and we weren't going to make it about us. We wanted to make sure we still continue to minister to other people. But at, at times it wasn't easy, and I think that, that you were able to clearly in your book give great clarity and uh, you, I mean, your, your brilliance of being even keeping timelines and details that I totally forgot. And so when I was reading your book or your manuscript, I was in tears because it brought back so many emotions. In fact, I remember one thing that we looked at. We saw a movie uh, about uh, uh, Rocky Balboa in, uh, I forgot the name of the movie, but it was, um, oh goodness, it was one where he was actually diagnosed with the same kind of cancer in the movie. And we just looked at each other as we're watching this movie and just began to weep again because it brought back emotions. So just share a little bit about some of the life lessons, some of the things even that you had to walk through. I, I remember one funny time, it, it, funny now, it wasn't funny then. Obviously, in reading your book, it meant a lot to you then. And when you were having to be trained to clean out my pick line every day and change my 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 pick line suture every uh, every every week and and every day had to clean out my pick line with uh, I forgot what they call it but we had to clean it out and and to make sure there was no blood clots and that kind of thing and I was so edgy one time and and this is the first time you were going to do it at the house and I kept just are you doing this right did you do did you wash your hands did you do did you get the sterile gloves and you kept looking, and then finally you said something later, and you said um, you, that you were trying to tell me not to do sugar. I couldn't have this. I couldn't have that. And I finally said, uh, you know, you're not my mother. You're my wife. And I didn't realize how deeply that hurt you, but yet you held on to that. And I know it's an emotional thing even now as you wrote about it. Uh, you did it in, entitled a chapter called, Yes, I'm Not Your Mother. I'm your wife. And so share a little bit about those feelings you went through, because I know there's people out there, maybe you have family members that are going through difficulties or have been uh, diagnosed with various illnesses. And it's one thing to be the person going through it. It's a whole nother perspective of the one who loves those who are going through it and having to stand there and to be there and fight for you and contend for you as your primary caregiver. So, Lisa, share a couple of special moments like that that, are, I, like I said, it could be humorous now, but it wasn't then. Well, for starters, I was just scanning through the book right now, and there, um, in the early part of the chapter, right after Doug said, um, God did not do this to me, I wrote in the book, Doug had his armor of God on, and it was evident the warrior spirit in him was speaking. He was broken, but he was all in for the battle for uh, before us and was determined to not retreat in fear. And I think that's such a powerful statement of the reality of what was. We must have the armor of God on for anything and at all times to be ready in season and out of season. The belt of truth, walking out that life of truth, understanding truth. A, a lot of times, um, Doug always says that uh, perception isn't always the truth, but it is the truth to those that perceive it. But what we perceive being the truth must be the truth, not just our perception or what we want it to be or skewed to be what we want it to be. The helmet of salvation, obviously most vital. The breastplate of righteousness, the sword of faith was so vital. The sword of faith was so, so vital because there were many times when I was just utterly broken. When you're physically exhausted and you're emotionally drained, you're more apt to break. 
and you're more apt to um, be emotionally broken when you're physically exhausted. So with that in mind, reading the Word of God, saturating my mind, repeating the Word of God with His Word, saturating my mind with His Word allowed me to gain strength or regain strength. And of course, um, the shield of faith in one hand and the sword of the Spirit in the other. So faith with Word, faith with the Word together were what moved mountains out of the way for me in a big way. Okay, so that sounds great for us and for some who are maybe going through something to say, well, that's pretty Christianese, cliche-ish. How do we help people understand that that it wasn't always um, uh, a bed of roses for us? We really did go through some struggles. And um, and how, by holding on what you're saying, everything is true about the principles, the truths, not the perception, but the truth. But it wasn't that we didn't go through things. It's just that we knew that had to be our staying course, our plumb line to get us through the challenging times. And so just tell some of those stories, maybe some private personal stories that you've written about in the book that, um, that are now you know, going to be obviously public, but things that shows what we did go through some difficult times. You went through a lot of tears in private and in, in, in together. And, uh, and in the midst of it, we, we were determined to keep fulfilling every obligation God gave us as the grace of God was given to us, even though we didn't always feel like it. Well, absolutely. There were numerous times, and I will get to the funny parts because you, you'd asked me earlier to get to some, well, they weren't funny at the time, but moments that I could laugh at now. Um, when you were first talking about some of the things that we went through, just hearing you talk about it even now, it's hard for me um, to fight back the tears because it's very, very real. It's very raw. And you, uh, I see so many people as we're able to, by the grace of God, minister to many others, meaning stand by their side while they go through their trials and their journeys, um, seeing their hurt. It, it would be wrong for me not to say that it's not like for, mo- for moments you have flashbacks and you're reliving everything all over again. So yes, there's moments of weaknesses. I remember a few instances where I had a complete meltdowns. I just did the best I could to keep them away from you, the patient, because you had your own stresses, your own physical exhaustion, your own emotional weight that you must have been carrying that that you too didn't want to share completely with me to protect me. And, and I think me as the caregiver, those of you all that are the caregivers, the family members, you break and you hurt too. So when I say you have the word of God and you have the shield of faith, it does not mean it's going to be easy. But it does mean that you can get through it, and you can get through it uh, with a, a, a joy like the Bible and the Scripture says, weeping may come for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You have to choose to want that joy. You have to choose to look beyond your moments of pain or challenge. I remember uh, on one particular occasion, Doug was completely unaware of this until after the cancer trial and maybe even until the writing of the book uh, did I share what had taken place. We, like most people, are financially challenged a little bit when you have all of a sudden uh, an unexpected detour with the medical expense and one that is very uh, expensive, if you will. And you have so much insurance coverage and so much that you have to take care of on your own. And I recall that it was the day before Doug's chemotherapy, one of the many sessions. And anyone who knows like an antibiotic or anything else, once you start a process, you're supposed to finish it. Even if you feel well, even if you heal, feel healed three days into your five-day antibiotic, you have to continue on so that it runs the course and hopefully kills everything that was working against your body. So with chemo, um, once you start, you don't stop. 
until you've completed the entire protocol. I remember getting a phone call the day before Doug's chemo, uh, letting us know that we owed a large sum of money. I don't recall. I wrote it in the book right now. It just, you know, you'd have to read about it. It may have been fifteen to $18,000, something of that nature, money that we personally didn't have in the bank. And I said, how could this be? Everything has been covered by insurance. We're paying our, our co-pays. We're paying uh, sums of money every month. They said, well, ma'am, if, if you don't come up with the money, he cannot report in for chemo. We, we won't, you know, the chemo's not authorized. I'm in a state of shock. And of course, you're talking through this with the financial people. The short of it is, I remember hanging up and putting my hands to my face and just crying out to God, saying, God, I need a miracle. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I need a miracle. I called a couple of intercessors, and the short of it is, within hours or so, I get a phone call back from the hospital saying, uh, you've been approved, everything's taken care of, your bill's been wiped out, and your husband can come in, can come in for chemo. Can you talk about a God testimony? Unbelievable. So miracles like that took place. I've heard other people uh, have experiences that are very similar and seeing God make a way where there seemingly is no way. And so those were moments where I absolutely broke down. Another moment that Doug had mentioned earlier was um, uh, where I was cleaning his pick line. And I tell you what, Anybody who's in the medical profession knows the importance of making sure that there are no infections uh, that come in through the PICC line for a cancer patient because their immune system is shot. So as they're killing the chemo, they're actually killing, they're also killing the immune system with the chemo. And so they need to stay healthy. And with that in mind, I had the fear of God put into me about how we were supposed to clean Doug's PICC line. And it did not help that Doug looked at me like, you know, you better not mess up. I think I read into his looks uh, more than than he probably felt. He was probably physically exhausted. I'm terrified of what I'm about to do, but yet trying to show him confidence that I know what I'm doing. And so those were moments that after all was said and done inside, I probably wanted to say, you are getting on my last nerve. But I knew that I could not do this to this man who was going through so much, this man that I adored. I had to give him the grace. Through it all, there were moments where where Doug... Um, Doug mentions the fact that I said, you know, I'm not your mother, I'm your wife, where he unintentionally hurt me because he would be short with me and because I probably was doing things that mothers do, saying you can't do this. Right, for example, telling me that you were going to drink every concoction you want, like the bullets, the juicing, and every concoction you were going to make me, you were going to do it with me. And remember, you made me drink baking soda till we discovered you could drink alkaline water. Well, I did make promises that I couldn't keep, and I'm very, very sorry about that. But at the end of the day, um, the Lord graced us with uh, incredible opportunities to share of those moments. They were funny moments. I'm glad that he kept a sense of humor, and I'm glad that he persevered. And I also had to tell him... Now, it's because you didn't want to drink everything with me after you tasted it. Absolutely. It was terrible. I, I cre- We came up with some just horrible concoctions, but very healthy ones at that. Um Anyhow, I just really felt that that God gave him grace, and I'm glad that I told him I could not have done what you did. But at the same time, I know that I did the best I could to love him through, to care for him, to pray him through. So to all of you out there that sometimes feel like you're depleted and you have no more to give, you have no more to invest in, um, that you feel that you just can't do it, 
Oh, may the Lord sustain you and know that you will get through it because the Bible's very clear where it says he will not give you more than you can handle and you just have to rest in him. You know, even as we were oftentimes at the hospital, even in months, we were still traveling and you would travel with me to make sure you check, you know, clean my pick line every day and so on. And it was by the grace of God and many people who didn't know what we were going through unless they saw the pick line had no idea because we didn't make an issue about what we were going through because we wanted to focus on the needs of others. And we, we officiated weddings while I was losing my hair. We've, you know, the night I was losing all my hair, I said, the eagle is balding. It was on July 4th weekend. And, um, but other times it, you began to look at, and I began to look at people at the hospital, the, the thousands that come through places like MD Anderson and other places. And even though we had, I had my um, patient badge on or wrist, wristband, we began to see others that are going through, didn't have the support base that we had. And, and so we were able to minister to many, pray for many, pray for people who worked at the hospital, from technicians to people who drove blood to medical professionals. It became a ministry that we didn't ask for, but became a ministry nonetheless. And in your book, you talk about that. It became a mission field because it wasn't something we expected. We administered to people over the years at various hospitals and through various needs of all kinds. But yet here we are in the midst of what we're going through. We chose to give out even during the time of our own need. And I felt like that was a healing part for us, wasn't it? As we ministered to others, it was also healing to us. Absolutely. I think that so I there's in fact there's a chapter in the book that's called Sowing and Reaping. And I think that in in anything, as you sow forth, you reap. Uh, and it was just beautiful to take your eyes off of your own situation and circumstance and realize there were others that were going through things very similar, some far worse and some less, but nonetheless, we were all on a journey. And this isn't about me. When you said initially, this isn't going to be about me, uh, we took that seriously. And that was something that was really beautiful. You know, one of the chapters in the book is called The Friend Factor. And I think that if you can surround yourself around people that will encourage you on those moments when you just don't have encouragement for yourself, where you can't find encouragement or don't want encouragement, because there are those days that you just want to just step away from all of it. Um, make sure you have yourself surrounded. I'm not talking about a handful or a dozen. I'm talking about one or two. One or two people that could just, you know, you can turn to that will allow you to cry, allow you to to vent, and then lift you up in prayer and nothing else, because a word in season is always important. I, I like something I read that you are quoted by in on WhitakerHouse.com, the publishing house for the book, God Did Not Do This to Me. And you said, we know that the great physician heard the numerous prayers of our friends and spiritual family from all over the world and blessed us all with a testimony of his healing power, Lisa says. And then you said, we are forever changed through this experience. He has expanded my heart, meaning the Lord, of compassion, taught me to pour out more grace, to be an even bigger giver, and to appreciate the little things all the more. And that's so true. All of a sudden, it gives you an, uh, an increased sensitivity and empathy even to so many others. And our journey wasn't just about us. I mean, you lost your father to pancreatic cancer. I lost my mother, my stepfather, and my father to cancers. In fact, my father and stepfather were military, uh, career military. Both died military-related cancers. My mother died also of cancer. And, and uh, so it was very personal to us. And then to have it come right into our home and having to deal with it ourselves. And again, everybody's story is different. 
but we know the Lord is with us in the midst of whatever we're going through. But we need that support base of people who are we know are praying with us, standing with us. And it's amazing, you know, the things we take for granted in relationships, because I'm always saying the kingdom of God is built on relationships, that in times of difficulty, you find out how much you really do need your family, the body of Christ and friends that literally come out of the woodwork who are there for you when you really need them. I also wanted to say one of the quote one of the things that you taught me during this journey. You said today was a good day, but some days are better good days, and today was a better good day. And this was after you had been working out at a gym and whatnot for the first time with a pick line. So you took an attitude of gratitude just to be alive. And so with that, you taught us that every day is a good day, just some days are better good days. And yeah, some people could make fun of us for always saying the cliche statements of I'm doing great or God bless you, or I'm blessed and highly favored or whatever you want to say. But the reality is that for some of us, they're not cliches. For those of us that have been through some tremendous trials, whatever, again, kind of trial you've been, To say I'm blessed for me means more than just trying to make somebody happy. It means I'm speaking life over me. So you, in fact, were teaching us, Doug, to speak life over us. Today is a good day. I'm going to determine that today is going to be a good day. It may be chaotic and crazy, and you could be in the middle of a financial situation where you're being evicted, but today, because you have breath, can still be a good day because your today is not over until God says it's over. Amen. I wish we could go on for another hour and a half, and we'll have to come, have you come back and share more, Lisa. But Lisa's book is God Did Not Do This to Me, and it's a true testament and testimony of her perspective of watching our family go through what we did. I was battling, the, as I always call it, the little C, because the big C, Christ, uh, is the great physician. And um, But as we talk more to more and more people who are going through difficulties, we want to encourage you and encourage them that there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. And again, that's not Christianese or cliches. We, we've lived through it ourselves. This is not the first challenge we've been through or the last. We all go through things. But the one thing we know for sure, that we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the shame and the suffering and the brutality of the cross. And so I believe that each and every one of us have a vision of destination that's greater than the circumstances we're going through. Uh, Many of us have different uh, disappointments, pains, heartache, but we know this, in the midst of it all, we have one who cares for us, embraces us with his presence and his love and his peace, and the Lord himself surround us with the comfort, comfort of the Holy Spirit, whatever our journey, to, wherever our journey goes, whatever unexpected detours, but we can still fix our eyes on the destination, the ultimate destination with the Lord. Something that Lisa, you wrote, and I'm going to close with this, uh, as you signed a copy of your advanced copy of your book to me, and it says to my handsome prince, I love it when you say that, thank you for choosing to live, for not giving up, for trusting God, for enduring the pain, for putting up with my bright ideas and terrible tasting concoctions. You mean the world to me, and I thank God every day for the privilege of getting to do life by your side. This is our story, but really, it's your story. I pray that God will use it to encourage many as they journey through their own challenges. Thanks for encouraging me to write and for helping turn this test into a testimony. I love you with all my heart, Lisa. And she gave this to me on my birthday this past October. We're, te- we're actually taping this podcast 
right after Thanksgiving uh, 2019 and just before the Christmas holidays and just shortly after our four years of, of being in remission. And so we have a lot to be grateful for. And again, we just want to encourage you that no matter what you may be going through, whatever disappointment, disheartening situation, whatever unexpected detour, the Lord is still the Lord and he's still looking out for you. He's gone before you and he's your rear guard. We want to pray with you. If you'll take the time to email us at, at somebodycares at somebodycares.org, we'd love to pray for you for whatever your prayer request is, or go to our website at somebodycares.org. And if you would like to get a copy of Lisa's book or any of my books, go to the somebodycares.org or call us at 713-621-1498 to purchase a copy. And and on my books, you can actually go to any online bookstore or to whitakerhouse.com. Also, you can order the books, uh, Lisa's book, or get an advanced copy of God Did Not Do This to Me by Lisa Stringer, Finding Hope, Courage, and Faith to Face Your Toughest Challenge. I love this part, which she wrote in my, in my book. It says, uh, for helping turn this test into a testimony. Each and every one of us, through our life experiences, have a testimony to be able to share with others, to bring hope and healing in their lives. So don't let your disappointments or your circumstances dictate to who you are, because God never changes. He changes our circumstances. Our circumstances don't change God. He loves you. He's for you. He's for us. So we want to pray with you, believe with you. In fact, Lisa, would you just pray right now in closing for those that might be listening or have friends and maybe loved ones that are going through difficulties themselves? Father, we just thank you right now that you are the great I am, that you know of every situation and every circumstance that every listener is going through right now, and nothing is taking you by surprise. I thank you that you are a way maker, that you are Jehovah Jireh, a provider, Jehovah Nisi, Father. You are our banner. Father, I thank you more than anything that you're Jehovah Shalom, our peace giver. So may we encounter his peace and his love embrace us, and may you go knowing that he is more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly as it says in Ephesians, more than you can ever ask or think. In Jesus' name, we speak healing physically, emotionally, financially, in every way over you all. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.